Well, Paul, with all this talk about uh, being delivered from the law and dead to the law, wants to make sure we don't misunderstand what he's implying or what he's saying. And so he says in uh, verse 7 of chapter 7 of Romans, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? That's a very, very important question. If the law is uh, inciting our sins, you know, verse 5, it says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. Do you see what that's saying? It's saying that the law actually excites, arouses sin when we are without the Savior Jesus, because the law creates so much guilt and shame and fear in us that we are uh, inclined to pull away from God and hide in the behind the rocks uh, and uh, be in our dark places and so isolated from God because of our guilt, shame, and fear that we go into more sin simply because we need some comfort from the terror that we're feeling. And so uh, this is what the law does, and therefore Paul says, what shall we say then, is the law sin? Now, I just wish, I really just wish that people who are legalists and perfectionists would read Romans 7 and try to make sense of it, because they believe or they think they understand that the law can be obeyed and can lead to righteousness. Well, Paul has made it very, very clear that it cannot, and he will make it even clearer still in a bit. We have to be delivered from legalism, from do's and don'ts, from rules and regulations, from a uh, sort of formula relationship with God. In order to know the beauty of our Lord, in order to know and enjoy him, uh, for in him, uh, it says in Rome, in uh, Psalm 16, um, There is everlasting fullness of joy in his presence. Fullness of joy. Well, of course, in this world, we don't experience fullness of joy. We will in the kingdom of God. But there are those moments and those times when we realize how simply precious God is to us. But you can't realize that if you're a legalist, because you're basing it on your performance, on God's conditional acceptance of you based upon how well you do, on a sort of uh, probation period, and uh, you are like an, uh, a child that has not yet been adopted, and he's uh, wondering what he, who he belongs to as he goes through all of these various families. No, what shall we say then is the law sin? A legalist needs to look at that and say, I have been looking at the law uh, with a perfectly uh, uh, harmonious kind of state of mind. I've felt I can obey it uh, by the aid of the Holy Spirit. So why does Paul have to ask, is the law sin? You see, a legalist would never ask this question because he thinks he's in perfect harmony with the law or will be ultimately. No, we have to ask this question because there is a tremendous fissure, a a great uh, dividing line between the law and human nature. Now, this is what he says right away. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, it is not sin. God's law is holy. But look what he says. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. 
All right, well, what is Paul doing here? Is he telling us what the law can do to make us righteous? No, he is not, absolutely not. What he is doing is revealing in his answer the purpose of the law, which is to reveal, to make me conscious and aware of what sin is. Let's read it again. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known uh, sin except the law uh, through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. Let's just get that middle part. I would not have known sin except through the law. I now know sin by means of the law. I know it not only for what it is on two tables of stone, but for what it is in my heart. I know what sin is. Well, you say, that's, I mean, that's not much of a gospel. Well, of course it's not. It is not the gospel. That's where the legalist falls foul of the truth, because he thinks that ultimately the purpose of the gospel is that Jesus Christ might give him power to keep the law, so that Jesus is the means and the law is the goal or the end result. That is absolutely not the gospel. What we find is that the gospel and the law are on two separate sides. And the Jesus' righteousness, uh, Jesus' power, empowerment by the Holy Spirit does not, does not lead to the law. It leads to him, he who is, who is our righteousness. Well, let's go a bit further. Now, this is really very revealing, the next verse. But sin taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. Now go slow with that. Sin taking opportunity by the commandment. Now here he's personifying sin. He's talking about sin as, as if it were a person. That's what we mean, of course, by personification. And of course, what person is he referring to? Well, he's referring to Satan. It's as if he's uh, speaking about someone behind sin, and it's the devil. But sin, so the devil, takes opportunity by the commandment. Well, how does it do that? Well, the force of evil deceives us and says to us, and, and takes opportunity of the commandment, by telling us, you ought not to do this. You must not do that. You must not disobey. You must comply. And so our minds, inspired by Satan, bring before us all kinds of oughts and do's and don'ts and threats in order to make us, so we think, obedient. But in fact, it's in order to make us sin. Because when you get those threats coming through to you, you ought not to do this, you need to do that. When Satan appeals, in other words, to the law, he's taking opportunity of the commandment, 
and producing in me all manner of evil desire. Now, how does he use the law to produce in me all kinds of evil desire? By my conscience and appealing to my conscience so that my conscience is filled with guilt and shame and fear. When my conscience is filled with guilt and shame and fear, it is a matter of time before I pull away from God, withdraw from Him, because I'm afraid of Him and afraid of His frown, afraid of His condemnation, and I hide in my cave my dark places of the mind and feel so lonely there that once I've been there long enough, I can't stand it, and I sin in the sense of find a little bit of light in my sins to comfort me because I've lost the light of God. That's how sin takes opportunity of the commandment. Now, this is not an isolated verse. Paul repeats the idea a little later. He says in verse, where is it, 13, But sin that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. How could sin produce death in me through what is good? Well, what is the good that he's talking about? The law, it is good. It is holy and righteous and good, the commandment. But sin is using it. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. And so the law does two things, as I've reminded you before. It reveals sin, number one, and it excites sin, number two. It reveals sin, Romans 3, verses 19 and 20. By the law is the knowledge of sin. And it excites sin, number two, by arousing our passions. That's Romans 7, verse 5. You say, well, what do we do then, Colin? I mean, if this is what the law does, what, what help is there for us? <laughs> well, I mean, surely you know. It is Jesus. It is to go before Jesus and say to him, Jesus, I am just coming to you to remind myself where I stand. I stand before you as without condemnation and without judgment, because you have taken my judgment upon yourself. And I am therefore freed from condemnation and I am no longer identified as a sinner because you took my sin upon the cross, and therefore in you I am counted as if I were righteous. And I thank you for this, dear God. So what is happening now, you see? What is happening is this. I'm now in fellowship with Jesus. That prayer is a prayer of fellowship. It is a prayer of faith. It is not a prayer of judgment. You see, the law will bring only judgment, and it will excite your sense of guilt and shame and fear. Now, if you're dealing with an addiction, 
the last thing you need to deal with is the heavy brickload of guilt and shame and fear. You might say, well, I don't have enough sense of guilt. That's why I do keep doing the thing I do. I do. No, it's not. If you have a great sense of guilt and shame and fear, it will simply take you back into your darkness. You say, well, Colin, I don't have a consciousness of right and wrong. I don't have a good sense of what it is uh, to do to be responsible. I'm not a responsible person. The law will not make you more responsible. What will make you more responsible in a healthy sense, not a legalistic sense, is a growing sense of fellowship with God, that he is tender towards you, affectionate towards you, that he loves you, that he puts his arm around you, that you are not alone in the world, that you will walk with him and he with you, and he will never condemn you. He will correct you, but he won't condemn. He will walk with you, and he will be your friend. Now, that is the essence of a healthy heart. That knowledge is, a, is what creates a healthy heart, a healthy conscience, a healthy mind. And so you will go forward, even though you'll stumble many times, but you'll bounce back because God is your righteousness not the law. Well, thank you for joining me today. Colin Cook here, and how it happens, you can hear the program any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com, and key in how it happens with Colin Cook when you get there. Would you please consider a donation to help the ministry keep going in this radio program now in its 26th year? Send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.